Today on the show, a brother who bakes getting ready for Lent. Why is everything so messed up all the time? Our Pigs of the Week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's time for the Catholic Underground, where the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 416, I believe. I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee, the teacher as Maximus mm-hmm. at Our Lady of Mercy School in Baton Rouge. Hey, Kathleen. Hey, good to be here. When I said, why is everything all messed up? She goes, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know the international like face facial <laughs> symbol for I know, right? From Kathleen. Also, we head over to Olivia Galino. She is our student of life, our resident Italian food critic. She joins us. Well, here. I am. I am here. We're glad that you're here. Thanks, Olivia. And it's not the end of the show. I'm not thanking you yet. We're pre So I guess I'll just leave. Thank you. It's been wonderful (laughs) to be with you. Going up to the uh, satellite there, to the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite, and to Jeff Blackwell, our technical director. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Father. I see y'all been into the sticky toffee pudding again. Mm -hmm. Indeed. a little wacky. (laughs) I think there was a a rum sauce. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes. I do enjoy a good rum sauce, (laughs) minus the sauce. There we go. And, uh, yeah. and Ed, Ed, who has provided uh, chocolatey candies for Kathleen so that, so that she will smile all the way through the show. So, yeah, it's good. Um, all righty. So I enjoy, I don't know about y'all, probably Olivia for sure, Kathleen maybe. Did you enjoy the, uh, the great British baking thing? Um, th- does it have to do with food? Then, <laughs> so, then yes, yes, I did yeah. thoroughly enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. So there was an American offshoot of the great mm. British baking show called the Great American Baking Show. Mm-hmm. And an unlikely candidate uh, was on that show. Um, Capuchin brother Andrew Corrienti says, I've been called to be a priest and to bake. Excellent. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, during a January 2020 morning show on Fox 5, which is the Washington, D.C. affiliate, mm-hmm. um, there was an, er- an interview with a young baker from Catholic University of America. He was a student at Catholic place. U. He wanted to talk about his participation in the fifth season of the Great American Baking Show that happened in December. So it was their holiday uh, mm-hmm. season. And uh, Brother Andrew uh, said that it was for amateur bakers from all over the country, especially like for self-taught bakers. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. Olivia, Olivia, who has not gone to a baking school yes, that I, I know of not. anyway. I have not. Well, you and Brother Andrew have this in common. Uh, he says several really of us competed. Yeah. yeah, I bet Olivia would be cool. Yeah, yeah, so can you imagine? He, he described it. He said it was a month-long competition, and you had to bake 24 items all together. And mm-hmm. if you are familiar with the, uh, the Great British Baking Show, the American Baking Show followed the same kind of thing. He said um, there, was, there were a themes for each of the different mm-hmm. items, and mm-hmm. then there was a format. So like the first week was cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kathleen. I, always start I like cake. it this week. That's right. <laughs> and so all the contestants prepared a simple cake that, that uh, they would prepare at home so mm-hmm. brother andrew who cooks for you know 30 friars or so um 30 capuchin friars i should mm-hmm. say um he cooked a cake so there was a technical ca- challenge to see if the contestants understood baking techniques mm-hmm. and then the third session was for contestants to bake a huge elaborate centerpiece i believe mm-hmm. they called it a showstopper they do yeah. indeed yeah mm-hmm. it is the showstopper yeah exactly and so uh and so that's what we uh what, what he did so the judge would judge you on each challenge 
adding that his winning entry was uh, was shoe buns, and I do love nice. a shoe pastry. Oh yes, pate shoe. Yeah. I made that recently for the first time, and it's really fun, really mm -hmm. challenging. I screwed it up the first time, had to make it again. Yeah, yeah it's it's I, finicky. I've done the same thing. Um, I've uh, the the movie The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen it, mm -hmm. uh, Wes Anderson he makes weird movies, but. But like one of the central characters of this of this film was this shoe pastry. <laughs> it was uh, called a courtesan au chocolat. Ooh, and, I like uh, it. And they actually made they gave the recipe um, as part of like the extended features, the extra features on the DVD. Huh. Yeah. And so I, I attempted it, and I didn't uh, because a shoe, of course, is is like it's flour mm -hmm. and water. And then egg, right? Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah. And then you a little salt and a little salt. So you have to mix it in such a way. I think some butter. Anyway, there's yeah. butter. Yeah, there, yeah. Well, it's like a little bit of butter, but yeah. So you mix all this stuff together, <clears throat> and you you have to get it just right before it all just kind of breaks apart mm -hmm. and turns gritty and well, not edible. Mm. Well, you basically like cook the shoe, like you cook the pastry in the um in the pot, like you yeah, make it over the stove, it. and then you um like you like boil down your liquids or not boil them, like you heat your liquids, and then you add the flour, and then you mix it, mm -hmm. and like you're keeping it moving so that nothing is burning. But as you're doing that, it's cooking the flour because flour is raw. Sure. Um, and then you actually like bake it again, um, but baking it again like causes these. Uh, well, you cook it again by baking it, and it causes these like huge bubbles to like pop up. Ooh. So that's why. Like so it makes it like comes. a puff pastry yeah. kind of thing, and so in the puff pastry that I made, I also made a, a chocolate uh, ganache, and then mm. you inject mm. it into the shoe pastry, and yeah. then inject it into the and then inject hole. it into your mouth. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so his winning entry was uh, were, were shoe buns um, that uh, that and also like a a, fill, uh, uh, a trio of desserts. He said the shoe buns were an homage to his Filipino heritage with his American upbringing. One was filled with mango ginger chantilly. Yeah. <laughs> which I like the idea of. I mean, mm -hmm. mango is one of those flavors that I'll, I can be tricked into eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because I, I remember having to eat mangoes whenever I was studying um, studying Spanish in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Like they, they just kind of slap a mango down there. And it, there's something about the texture I didn't like. But when it's flavored with something so like ginger, really, mm -hmm. I thought yeah. that was really good. It says, and the other was filled with a malted milk chocolate pastry cream. That's... Yeah. Yum. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, um, we, we may have to send some up to the satellite because... You got my Actually, attention. I'm standing by waiting. I'll put my catcher's mitt on. Okay? That's right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm sending it up in the pneumatic tube. Uh, so a that's, that's, that's the chef that is uh, Brother Andrew. But what about, like, how did he get into uh, the capuchin order, right? right? Mm -hmm. So he was a native of Arcadia, California. Uh, he grew up in a nominally Catholic household. He says, my parents were immigrants from the Philippines, and we went to church because it was a cultural thing to do. Um, and in addition to kind of the cultural Catholicism, he said that uh, his passion for food began early in his childhood. He said he watched the Food Network as a child, but he never cooked. He worked for a little while in a talent agency, organizing events for celebrity chefs. Interesting. Um, so he was, for his first year as a friar in West, West Philadelphia, a friar with an A-R, right? Mm -hmm. So a friar would be a brother in the Franciscan order. Right. Um, he, it occurred to him that he should try to cook something. So he went to the kitchen, and he hasn't stopped baking since then. Yeah. So he Good says that. He, yeah. And, and I, I don't know that I... It took me many years before I was confident to actually go into the kitchen and try something out. Mm. Yeah, I, Olivia, like I, I know I've been watching some some cooking shows myself, mm. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that I go, man, I would really like to cook that, but it's intimidating. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like somebody was asking me the other day about a roux, and they were like, I just can't get past the mm -hmm. roux, mm -hmm. and I was like, Well, just do it. Yeah. yeah, and then I realized that I that 
you yeah. know, I was talking about baking bread. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I just, I'm intimidated by it, you know? Well, yeah, bread is something that is like, that's generally the thing that people are like, I want to make it. I'm scared to death, and so I just don't do it. But bread is actually like super easy yeah. once you just try it. Like yeah. I got into bread because I just wanted to do it. And like the first dozen things that I made, and not like all in one, like sequentially, yeah. like I made a dozen different recipes sure. and they all were terrible. Mm-hmm. But I was figuring it out as I was sure. going. Yeah. And I was I was talking with a professor last summer, and we actually we were talking about like philosophy, but we were also talking about like um, bread baking as an example of like rediscovering this virtue of amateurishness. Yeah. Really just like willing being the new guy. Yeah. Being willing to like be an amateur and kind of like being willing to suck at something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so, yes, you know, in, in France. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that that really applies to bread baking. So like I tell people all the time, if you're scared of bread baking, I got a recipe for you. I'll give you my grandmother's recipe for, for rolls. Yeah. It's pretty foolproof and delicious. Mm-hmm. I would so love them. I That's what brother Andrew said. He said, uh, if something doesn't work out, I asked myself why. Wonder if I should have added this or used a different temperature. He says he just takes notes and mm-hmm. and keeps going on. Mm. And honestly, you know, w- with the caveat of yeah, it's not a good idea to waste food. But if you're trying mm. to learn how to cook it or to bake, right, yeah. then there's going to be some trial and error. Yeah, but and it's a it's a science and an art. Exactly, yeah. that's right. Uh huh. And and especially with bread, bread is one of those things where you really can have fun, kind of figuring out the the science bit of the art and the art bit of the science. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the, the, I guess the hardest part is, is the rise and the rest, huh? mm-hmm, um, yeah. whenever the yeast does its thing in secret, like our Lord talks about, you know, mm-hmm. um, whenever the farmer plants, he doesn't know how the seed grows, but it grows mm-hmm. and becomes something beautiful. It's kind of the same thing with letting yeast yeah. do its thing with the bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Interesting. so brother Andrew, uh, in addition to, to kind of finding cooking, uh, he kind of rediscovered his Catholic faith. Uh, he was less focused on his faith during his youth, he said, but he took, uh, his life took a dramatic turn while he was attending New York University in Manhattan. And then he returned to California, worked in the talent agency, and he met a friar that visited the others in formation. He, he fell in love with Catholicism and went on a friar's formation retreat, and it changed his life. You know, the first time that I ever thought about becoming um, a member of a religious order, I was a seminarian at the time, I thought about becoming a Capuchin friar because there's something about um, their way of life that was really captivating, and uh, they also celebrated the liturgy with such uh, such prayer. It was the mm-hmm. first time I think I'd seen, even as a as a seminarian, it was the first time I'd seen the the, the liturgy prayed with such intensity. And right. so th- this is what happened to, to Brother Andrew. He was he was just Andrew, and he went to a, a friar. Uh, kind of impacted him in some way. He says, "Well, I think I'll I'll go on a formation retreat." And it changed my life. He says, it was really bizarre. It was never part of my plan, but it all felt like second nature. I should have always been doing this, adding that his faith steps went from formation then to novitiate and now studying for the priesthood. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we have a conversation about baking and mm-hmm. just try it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you are discerning religious life. Just mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. Just go and see what it's about. It's yeah. not, you know, you're not married to the bread when you make it, right? You're right. not you're not signed up for the religious order when you when you go for the first time to visit. Yeah. Just try it and see how how it fits into your life. That's you right. Know? And and if the Lord is kind of cultivating yeast, if you will, uh, you know, right. leaven in your in your vocation, then it will begin to it will begin to ferment it, right? It'll begin to grow. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I can resonate with uh, with Brother Andrew because I remember not really knowing what a seminarian was, what a yeah. seminary was. I had never seen um, a, a member of a religious order, and it just so happens that the the um, discernment retreat that I went on 
was at a Benedictine monastery. And so just seeing the, the men there in their black habit, which was immediately arresting yeah. for, mm-hmm. for a high schooler, you know. Uh, and then I felt like where I was, it was second nature. Yeah. As a, this is this is home for me. There's mm-hmm. something that's that's uh, that's just kind of lockstep. I, I and I also began to feel it was the first time I think I had ever experienced Eucharistic adoration as well. Mm-hmm. It was a component of the mm-hmm. retreat. I'd never seen it before, and so all of a sudden this leaven began to to kind of grow in my heart. Um, and so yeah, I, I I said yes and never looked back. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I looked back a couple of times to say, Lord, are you sure? Yeah. Um, but uh, but. Sure enough. So I can resonate with Brother Andrew. How cool. And he's studying for the priesthood as well. Uh, at present on campus, he lives with um, 30 other men in the friary there. He says, not surprisingly, he ends up doing a lot of baking there, making birthday cakes and preparing little small wedding cakes for oh, cool. those who yeah. are in the area. That's kind of cool. He says, I have a lot of baking projects to work on, um, but I'm a full-time student. I pray and I have a ministry. So I do things in batches. I may make a layer in the morning, prepare the frosting in the afternoon, bake the cake in the evening freeze it, and then frost it the next day whenever I have free time. Um, with his student life and his baking fame, he said his parents are astounded by it all. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. guess so. Like how yeah. many people think that you're going to enter into religious life and become somehow famous mm-hmm. on the American Broadcasting right, Company? Right, you know? for baking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not even right. just for, you know, for anything religious, you know, yeah. for baking. And that's he awesome. says that, that as the public accolades and the interviews taper off, he's planning to return to his normal life. So I'm going to go back to studying because I've been called to be a priest and to bake. Excellent. And that, I think, is one of the important things, too, about discernment. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes we think that we have to kind of give up our life, right, you right, know, right. Um, completely. Well, think about it. When you get married, you don't give up the, the things that you're, you're naturally talented to do. Sure. You have to say no to some things, right, you know, uh, to chasing after other, other people that would be worthy spouses. Well, you don't do that anymore because yeah. you're, all, you're married. But whenever you're, you're given a set of gifts and talents and desires and passions, those can actually be fulfilled and amplified in the midst of the vocation that you choose. And it's certainly that way with the priesthood. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's so many things in my heart that I like to do that I have talents in doing, and they are amplified by the fact that I am a priest. They're able to be uh, used in a way that they wouldn't. For example, uh, Jeff on the Jeff Star One just got an upgrade, a standard yeah. upgrade yeah. Uh, to, to, his, uh, to his pod there. So yeah, now he great. has a system readout. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're very proud of that. Yeah, exactly. Now he can actually see what's going on on the Saturday. Yeah, I don't have to use the iPhone anymore. I can just turn around. And <laughs> That's right. That's and the right. words of Ross Perot, look at his hair chart. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Perot, you're digging deep down in the Politico there. Yeah, back in the 1900s, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what we'll do, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in, in maybe trying out one of Brother Andrew's recipes, yeah. uh, he actually, in the, the article um, from the National Catholic Register, uh, has one of his favorite go-to recipes. He says he uses it to top off any dessert or just pile it on top of fresh berries. And it mm. is his cinnamon cloud whipped cream. Oh. Heavy cream, brown sugar, vanilla extract, cinnamon, and kosher salt. Just combine them together. All of the um, the different, uh, what do you mm. call it whenever you're... Ingredients? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. That's it. There it is. Yeah. And the, the measurements. You were. Are mm. there. Yep. And notice he's uh, pretty skinny too. I, I, I just, you know. Oh, brother! Yeah, brother Andrew is. Uh, he, he obviously does not eat all of the bread that he bakes. See, that's that's the problem I have. Is if no. I bake the bread, like half of it goes to me. It's a small tax. Pass the butter and the red wine. I'm telling that's you, right. man, I'm happy. That's yes, true. Indeed. Yeah. I went out to eat the other night at a, a plantation here in Louisiana, mm-hmm. Nottaway mm-hmm. Plantation, and they brought us bread and a butter 
whip mm-hmm. and then two little brown butter whips and i was like what is this so i'm like shoving my face full of bread and brown butter it was sugarcane butter oh yeah oh, okay yeah. oh uh. my lanta yeah <laughs> i was like do you have this by the tub please it was really good it's probably a good thing they didn't right yes mm-hmm. because i'm looking at the cinnamon cloud whipped cream and he's like you could top this or top that and i'm like or i could top it in my mouth That's just just on the spoon. I like to do to this. I'll make a, um, a whipped cream and then put it on berries. Yeah. And so, and you're not going too far off the reservation, you know, you're right. whenever you It makes you're, me feel healthy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not terrible as things could be. And one of the beautiful things about being, uh, being Catholic is, is that while we say no to things during Lent and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we, we, foods are clean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can eat and enjoy, uh, but don't let the food become your God, mm-hmm. you right. know? Mm-hmm. And so um, perhaps uh, it would be a good time for us to, to pause for a moment just to remind you that we are the Catholic Underground. They were waiting for it. That's good. That's, 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 scared me for a minute. I couldn't. I, know. I was like, oh, did I forget my line? <laughs> I, yeah, right. I forgot I had a line. Oh, wow. I, know. I, I can't tell you what's happening this evening. My brain seems to, it, to be locking up It a reminded bit. me of a time when I'm in, in class, and I'm like, and and Moses went to <laughs> the... You're listening to the Catholic Underground. We don't know how, but... Uh, We're uh, glad you're here. Yeah, I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen, by Olivia, by Yef. Might be a soft J. Anyway, it's just yeah, free. Uh, and then Ed. Ed's in the ball pit there running the video as well. So uh, our picks of the week are indeed coming up a little bit later. Kathleen, have you got your pick of the week yet? Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming up. Uh, but uh, let's see. So um, I think what we might do is talk a little bit about the Lenten season. Yes. Because we know that, that part of uh, the component of Lent is that we give up things right. as a way to kind of uh, discipline our bodies sure. and discipline our hearts so that we can make good decisions with our heart. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're listening or watching in real time, this is, a, a you know, a week or so before Lent starts. But what I want to, you know, I think that fasting yeah. is what we call an evergreen topic yeah right that right. we don't often think about like we Not often, just Lent. yeah we think about this idea of okay Lent's coming up time to suffer um and be <laughs> miserable so that we can remember that jesus is the lord and resurrected to save you know our souls okay yeah yes indeed but there are other ways and other reasons why we fast yeah. and so you could be listening to this in you know september which is an odd month right mm-hmm. but you can you can but fast, we can fast yeah. in september right Absolutely. So fasting is an indispensable part of the spiritual life during the liturgical year, not mm-hmm. just during Lent, but most especially during Lent, mm-hmm. um, when it's emphasized at a, as a universal prescription for all Catholics. Yeah. And so this is really interesting. When I was teaching high schoolers, I was like, guess what? You mm-hmm. get to fast and, and, you know, and give up suffer Lent because it's what you're called to do as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so when we fast, we follow Jesus out into the desert, right? Jesus didn't say, hey, you got to give up all the fun stuff in your life. Because I didn't, so <laughs> haha, you have to do it, right? I like to think that Jesus had fun. Yeah, of well, he did. it's it's for a reason, and if we know the reason why we're doing it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it 
maybe any easier, mm-hmm. but it gives it more meaning, right? Sure. So when we fast, and when we, you're doing something for someone, right? Exactly, especially when we're doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we fast, we fight the devil and we temper the flesh. It's all about the desires of the flesh and saying no to those. Yep. Right? In order to do this, the church lays out universal universal fasting norms for everybody. Yep. So just a little refresher mm-hmm. on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, all Catholics over the age of 14. 14, mm-hmm. abstain from meat. Um, and those over the age of 17 and under 60 fast. Yep. So we abstain from meat and then we, we fast. We eat s- very simply. Um, that is, we limit ourselves to one full meal um, as well as two smaller meals. And in, in the South, that's, you know. It's not easy to do. <laughs> it's, it's actually really easy to do because our meals are huge all the time. Uh, that's true. Um, so it's so it's it's easier to understand what a smaller meal is, right? Mm-hmm. Together, um, together, those two meals um, are not equal to your full meal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're thinking small. So again, fasting, is, at least in the Catholic ethos, uh, right. is not completely depriving yourself, but simply saying, I'm going to make this, this sacrifice sure. um, to, to temper my flesh mm-hmm. so that my soul can, um, can grow and yeah. so that my desires can be rightly ordered. Right. Yeah. And let me tell you this, too, because a lot of times we look at fasting as like, oh, I'm going to lose weight during Lent. It's going to be awesome. That's a good side effect. That's but right. it shouldn't be your goal, okay, yeah. that you're like, oh, now I'm going to get on my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that this is a, a true fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, like you have to temper a shoe pastry, right? <laughs> you have to do the same thing with Ugh, your body. Yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, every Friday is a day of abstinence from meat, which is rather difficult again down here in the South because we have seafood coming out of our ears. But mm-hmm. along with that, all Catholics are Not encouraged really. to take up a personal habit of fasting. Yep. Okay, so along with prayer and almsgiving, um, these are ways that are tailored to our own attachments, our personalities, and our states of life. Mm-hmm. So what if, this is a great time to examine your life and see, you know, down here in the South, we have Mardi Gras, and it's all about Fat Tuesday, right? This idea that um, we live these lavish lives full of things that maybe we don't need, mm-hmm. um, that are, are good things, right, in of themselves, but we, t- we partake in way, way, too much okay Mm -hmm. so what are the reasons to fast let's note that while um, shaking off sinful habits right is in keeping with the uh repentation repentant spirit of lent Mm -hmm. right so this idea that we are um repenting for our sins um giving up something sinful is not the same as a fast okay so that's true right Mm -hmm. fasting is withholding something good for a time so that we can depend more fully on god so giving up something like swearing which is bad yeah right for example is a great idea but it's not a fast that's right we should always fast. it's just something that you should give up okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so the other cliche um is usually giving up chocolate or soft drinks or are these things that you know we're like i can give that up for a while um, and while neither of these are bad ideas, there might be some more creative and productive fast to consider. I'll bet you have some. I do. <laughs> I do indeed. I have a friend. Um, he's actually local and we're friends. His name is Colin MacGyver and he writes for Ascension Press. I mean, Ascension Presents, excuse me. And he um, asked a lot of his friends and his family um, and colleagues, what are some of the most creative things that you've given up for Lent? Mm-hmm. Um, because there are there are those things like like soft drinks and alcohol and chocolate that we can give up. But maybe God is calling you to be a little bit more creative. Maybe he's calling you this Lent to go a little bit deeper. And so he came up with um, 25, 25, a list of 25 
creative things to fast from. That's a that's a good number. Yes, for, it's very good. We're so not going to go a lot over to all choose of them. From. Yeah, we're not going to go over all of them. But this is these are some that I was like, I never thought of that. Okay, one of them is uh, Target. Mm. Now this is like I don't know. Maybe you're like I don't ever go to Target in the like first place. Like archery or the store? Like Target, the store. Yes. Oh, archery. Okay. Right? That's the first one. On the and list. he says, yeah, he says that actually quite a few people mentioned this one, and he says he thinks it's because Target is a happy place for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? The aesthetic, the layout, the whole vibe uh, is meant to therapy. invite you in, mm-hmm. right? The little yellow clearance stickers on there. You're like, yes, I'll pay forty five dollars in clearance because it's you know, <laughs> but like, what is that one store that you go to because mm-hmm. you love some something that they that only they can produce yeah. right that you may not need to go to interesting right? do you need and yeah. what sticking maybe you know going a little bit further with this one sticking maybe just to what's on your grocery list mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and the idea of kind of banishing yourself to a more penitential right <laughs> store right? yes a store that you might not enjoy but will fulfill your needs yeah maybe Ooh. not your wants but your needs mm. Mm. okay hot showers Oh, that's a hard one. This is a toughie. Yes. Okay. This is Uh, not for the faint of heart. All of our Exodus 90. Exactly. Right. Maybe you look forward to that in the morning or in the, or in the evening to unwind. Um, but maybe this idea of physical discomfort, Mm -hmm. right. Reminds you that what are you giving this up for? Um, this was really cool idea. Um, condiments, right. How many of us sit down to a meal and before we even take a bite, salt and pepper or ketchup, for our chicken nuggets or barbecue sauce, yeah. right? Just eat what you got, yeah. yeah. right? And that idea that you're not gonna die because you didn't have ketchup, mm-hmm. right? But it makes you think, right? All of this is, is... Right, and it's a simple thing too. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a simple thing to give up, but it's something that we don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a so small it takes, crucifixion. Right, so mm-hmm. it takes effort. Car audio is a good one. Uh, yeah. Right. I've done know. that before. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. It's a lot a it's a lot harder than it seems. Right. Because then you have to fill up the time with something. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so Or you have to listen to your own thoughts. Exactly. Because um, um, and in mm-hmm. car audio, there's no. a lot on here about um about extra noise. Right. How many of us go home and turn the TV on just so that there's noise in our house? Yeah. Mm. Because maybe we don't want to be that, you know, be alone with God or mm. hear what God has to say to us. Hello. Mm. Am I talking to you? Because the Lord is. All I right. realize fully that we are a podcast, but, you know, maybe you're supposed to give these things up for lit. Yeah. That's OK. A couple of things for you um, in the morning. Right. Um, coffee. Mm. I'm not a coffee drinker, but um, for I've Colin, done this before. for Colin, his spiritual director once told him that uh, it's supposed to be penitential for you and not for others. <laughs> so you know the, that idea that uh, I can't be a human being until I've had my coffee mm-hmm. lies and deceit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Your snooze button. Yep. Right. We're talking about that heroic moment when you don't hit the snooze mo- button and you just get up out of bed and start your day. Mm-hmm. Right? I hit mine 50 times. This is kind of extreme. And that's a mortification of the flesh, though, right. uh, is exactly. getting up without the snooze. Yeah. yeah. Comfy bedding or even your bed. I've done that oh, once. Yeah. I've had friends who, have, who slept on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this reminder physical reminder of what you're giving up Mm -hmm. this one might might be a little difficult for the ladies right your reflection Mm -hmm. and makeup right how many of us spend so much time on our face and the way that we look we're so concerned about that yeah right and so what is it that you can creatively give up think beyond what you've always tried right and if if you give up something for lent and you fail guess what try try again it doesn't mean that your lent is a failure That's right. Uh, We're the Catholic Underground. We'll be right back.
Stay there. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker. We've also got Kathleen Lee. We've got Olivia Galino. Also, Jeff Blackwell in space. And Ed. Ed is in some sort of formless void where he directs the video. Hmm. Yeah. Very a la good place. Yeah. Oh, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen the final season. I don't oh. know what it's like, but our picks of the week are coming up uh, in just a minute. But we thought we'd spend some time talking about why things are just messed up. Have you, yeah. I've actually had young people ask me this question. You know, how can you believe in God when the world is just screwed up? Yeah. I mean, how is that possible? Why would God do that? Why would yeah. he allow that? Yeah. So we're going to talk about misery for a little while. Um, no, not really. <laughs> just uh, the time for Lent, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good question. And it's a question that I've heard too. And honestly, I, I like to encourage that question. Like, especially when people are thinking about like the ways of the world and how things could be better. Like, yes, think on those things, right? And think about God's role in those things. But we shouldn't just kind of like assume certain things about God, or we should be willing to challenge our assumptions that are kind of implicit in the questions that we're asking, especially when they have to do with God or like reality or ourselves, things like that. Um, And then try to like figure out, you know, am I... Am I coming into contact with what is real and then asking a question about that? Or am I thinking about something in a way that's somehow messed up, Mm -hmm. right? And then making conclusions based on that, right? Because that can be a problem too, even though we're asking a good question. So um, Randall, Dr. Randall B. Smith over at Catholic World Report um, was thinking about this question. And I think that he went through it really logically, right? So if you have this question, right? How can you believe in God when the world is so screwed up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's a good question. You've probably heard it in some form or another from someone young or old. And it's important to ask the question. I mean, yeah. uh, dare we say, it's okay to ask that question yourself mm-hmm. and then to, to do exactly what uh, the good doctor has and, and kind of reason your way through it and find good sources to, to help you work through it. Like yeah. we're going to hopefully do yeah. for you. Exactly. Here we go. Um, so like we said, it's a common question, but but what I also want to kind of bring to the forefront is that there are certain premises behind that question mm-hmm. that we should maybe bring into the light and assess those, right? So a premise is something that we use as a foundation in order to draw conclusions or to make an argument from which we then draw conclusions, right? So it comes down to like basic logic, right? So like if you're going to make a decision about something that's happening in your life, you need to have all the facts first, yeah. right? So let's say that you're like about to buy a house or something. You need all the facts in front of you, right? How much the house costs, what your you know real estate agent is willing to do for you, um, what repairs are needed, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have all the right information, let's say that um, the estimate they gave you for repairs is $4,000 off, right? Well, then you don't actually have all the information you need to make a good decision, right? Mm-hmm. So something if something is flawed, you have to 
go and address that before you can make a conclusion, right? And so it's the same with logic, right? If your premises, those things that you're starting with, kind of your principles, if those aren't all correct, well, then the conclusion that you're going to draw is going to be flawed in some way, right? It could be a really big flaw. It could be really small. But either way, it's not going to be what you're hoping for when you're asking these deep questions, right? right? So behind this particular question, um, what's lurking is this presumption that God is somehow responsible for the problems in the world, Right? That's why we immediately just go to God yeah. and say that that it must be his fault. If he's if he's the one who created everything and things aren't good, yeah. then he must be responsible. Exactly. Right? So that's the first thing. But then the second thing is the presumption that God either is not the source of the problems in the world, um, and that he but somehow he's the only one who's able to save us from them. Right. So there's kind of like a, a, a challenge or a duel in premises here. And so Obviously, contradiction is not going to like lead us to truth. So we have to figure out what's real, right? Yep. Um, and so one of the logical problems that lies behind that first kind of question about, you know, is God responsible for the problems in the world um, is how we figure, how we arrive at the conclusion that the world is somehow screwed up, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think we can look around and, and obviously assess some problems, right? Things are not ideal. Um, but... Um, the presumption seems to be that the world shouldn't be screwed up, mm-hmm. right? That's another presumption that that the questioner, someone who is asking this question is making, right? That I'm looking around at the world and it's screwed up and that's somehow a state of what it's not supposed to be, Yeah. right? It could be better. Right. Typically, I experience suffering right? or I see suffering occurring yeah. and it seems to me like that shouldn't be happening. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right? And, um, but the... The challenge that uh, Dr. Smith gives is, you know, why do we presume that though, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe you've said something to your parents about like, you know, they, they give you some punishment or some, you know, expectations. Yeah. For your actions, yeah. And you say, well, that's not fair, mm-hmm. right? And likely one of your parents or both might say, well, who said life would be fair? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, why would anyone expect fairness? Right. In a world that's somehow the accidental byproduct of a random cosmic explosion billions of years ago. Yeah. Right. So we have if, this desire for there's something inside us that calls out for justice. Right. For, yeah. for that which is fair. And so he, I guess he's making the point that if ever, if all of this were random, mm-hmm. then there wouldn't be this call for for justice in us. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, because the question that someone's asking is, you know, how can you believe in God when the world is so screwed up? It's it's a question that's coming from likely someone who doesn't believe in God. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if they're that's one of their premises, right? I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Well. If you have that expectation that you're trying to build a world or build a, a belief system, build a life on, you know, something that does not come from any transcendent supreme being, mm-hmm. well, then you're kind of like, you know, backed into this quarter, this corner of something happening by chance or by yeah. accident, mm-hmm. right? And if something's happening by chance or by accident, then there aren't like rules no, of the nothing game. Nothing is fair. Yeah, right. there aren't rules of the game, right? Um, if you if you want to think about life like that, right, there are certain rules and expectations, right? I'm not going to put my purse down on the ground at Target and expect it to still be there when I come back in 10 minutes, right? And I, I would recognize, though, that, like, well, someone took it, right? Someone mm-hmm. took something from me. I have been offended in some way, yeah. right? Just like I, you know, have the the hope that I can, you know, go to a big box store in the middle of the night and not be hurt or, you know, accosted in some way, mm-hmm. right? But the world's not always fair, but we do aim for justice, right? Like Father Chris was saying, that's one of the rules of the game. Um, so there's a standard 
that that something must be fair. Yeah. Where does that come from? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to say that that the universe is is screwed up or bad means that there's some kind of standard or or good, right? Yeah. Or of not some screwed up. measure. Yeah, yeah, right. Once upon a time, there mm-hmm. was this somehow this good, even if it maybe ne- has never happened, there's this standard of good that we should be aiming for or once had. Um, and so maybe someone would claim that that standard of good, it was created by, you know, an individual human mind with this kind of view towards self-protection, right? Like, I don't want someone to accost me. I don't want someone to steal my purse, right? So I have created this kind of facade of fairness around me so that people don't do that. Um, but that's not really how morality works, right? Morality is not an invention for self-protection, right? Most moral codes, most um, systems of ethics are self-critical, right? They they condemn us for merely doing things for our own benefit, yeah. right? Because we're, we don't live alone in this world. We live very much in community. We live very much with other people and our lives touch other people's lives. Which is all, which is why all Kathleen wants is a king cake every now and then. That's true. <laughs> she was talking about how life wasn't fair Story today. Okay. Um, I'm just going to sidestep that entirely and move on. I love you very dearly. I will make one in due time. Okay. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Father. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Uh, As you nom on your Mm -hmm. M&Ms. Yeah. So so somehow, though, we all have this idea that there's this objective standard of good and evil or things that are true and false are of justice and unjustice, right? Um, and Dr. Smith says that we have, we might be mistaken in believing this, but it is an odd illusion, right? So let's say that you look at a math problem and say, well, the answer is wrong. We can only do that if we have some notion of what the answer of the correct answer is, right? So I can look at two plus two equals five and say, well, that's not right. Right. Just like I can look at the capital of Louisiana is Alexandria and say, no, that's incorrect. Which by the way, that's incorrect. It isn't incorrect. If you remember your state capitals, it is Baton Rouge. Oh, yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> right. I give but, myself an Eminem for that one. I knew the right answer. That's right. Congrats. Mm. All right. I would hope that we'd all get that right. Mm. Um, so we can't complain. What we're trying to say is we can't complain that the world isn't good. Um, or if you can complain that the world isn't good, then you have to have some objective standard of good that the world then fails to meet, right? So, um, but that's good, right? It's good that we're that we're realizing that. Okay, well, if if we're seeing the the lack of good, well, yeah. then that gives us a, a sense of the reality of the good. Yeah. Right. And that it must be there. Yeah. Um, but I love what he says. He says that if you don't accept the existence of some absolute standard of goodness underlying everything that exists, all that is then you can't complain that things aren't good, mm-hmm. right? I love that because it's logically conclusive, right? Um, if if you don't have that absolute standard of goodness, then things aren't good. They just are, right? Yeah. There's no, like we said, there's no rules of the game. So things just are, they just exist, right? In whatever state they happen to be, but we can't actually judge those things, right? I can't say whether something is good or bad because I don't have a standard of measurement, right? Just like if I don't, if I don't know what inches are, I can't expect to like measure my height and tell someone my height, right? Uh, I have to be able to, to have a standard in order by which to judge things. Um, and if I don't have that, well then I can't say anything about it. Right. Um, and so the best you would be able to say under that kind of, um, scheme is, well, I just don't like the way things are, but you wouldn't be able to articulate why, right? Right. You wouldn't be able, you wouldn't be able to say, well, it's not fair or it's in, it's unjust or something like that. Um, and so 
you know, maybe we can say that about certain things, right? I don't like the way things are. Um, Which we should say and, that. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. That's a that's a good judgment on the world. It's not conclusive. It's not like it doesn't tell you much, but you can say that, right? But what you can't really do is use that as an argument against God, mm. right? Um, because your argument against God presumes that there is something like God, yeah. right? If I'm going to say, um, you know, uh, how can you believe in God if the world is so, when the world is so screwed up? Well, then I do, I'm kind of backing myself and hopefully we're showing this, that I'm kind of backing myself into this like kind of belief in a God, right? Because I believe in things like goodness and truth and justice. And those don't just come from nowhere, right? right? Um, they are an absolute. They are an absolute. And any absolute has its origins in the transcendent, yeah, right? right? Has an author. <laughs> yes, right. Mm -hmm. The author of those things who is those things, right? So our, the argument against God being made here actually presumes that there is a something like God, right? Some kind of ultimate goodness that underlies the whole universe. Um, otherwise, you can't use those categories, right? Um, mm -hmm. But then, so the question becomes, well, why is there evil in the world? And that is a question as old as time, That's right? right? It's, the it's problem a, it's of a evil. a deep question that comes up over and over and over again. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's a really good question. I, I love whenever people say, I'm having a problem, I just don't understand why is there evil in the world? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, yep. right? And we should ask ourselves that question. Um, and someone like St. Augustine was very equipped and very familiar with this question. He's been uh, thinking about it a lot. Exactly, for the past 1,700 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and he says, what if evil is not a thing, like a table or a cup, yeah. right? But what if evil is a lack of a good that should be there, right? Right, And this is what the church pretty, you know, as a standard believes Thomas Aquinas takes up this idea as well, that evil is some kind of privation. Privation just means like a, a, lack. a lack or a deficit, right? So basically we had a situation where everything was good and then sin entered the world and it kind of emptied all the goodness out, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yes. Um, so evil is just the name that we gave to the, the lack of good. Mm -hmm. Right. So evil is not a thing. Evil is no thing. Right. It doesn't exist. You, you can't like put your hands on evil. Right. Right. Um, and but we can say that, you know, um, we can say that a table is bad if it doesn't, you know, if it has like a leg that's that's rickety or, or too short, shorter than the other legs. Or we can say that a cup is bad if it leaks water. And we say that a choice is bad when it doesn't achieve the good. Right. When there's a lack in, you know, height on one of the legs of the table, it's not really as much of a table as it could be. Right. Or when there's a hole in the cup, is it really much of a cup? Right. Um, so that but we're using those standards to judge yeah. the goodness of the cup. Right. But if there's a lack of good in something, well, then it's that's when we call it evil. Right. Um, and so Dr. Smith says that, you know, kind of taking all this in mind, when we look at that question, why is the world so screwed up? The answer is because it's finite, Yeah. right? This world that you and I live in is tangible, is sensible, it's visible. I can touch it. I can see it. I can experience it. There are definitely things that I that are on the earth that I cannot see or touch, um, like emotions and fears and love, right? Um, but the world itself, this world is passing, right? So... Christians believe that God has put in our souls an infinite desire for an infinite good, mm -hmm. right? And all the finite goods then are going to fall short in various ways, but they have a very important job because they point us toward that ultimate good, right? Just like the things that we give up during Lent 
aren't like Kathleen was saying, they aren't evil, right? Like your TV is not evil. Your bed is not evil, right? Your snooze button, not even that's evil, Mm -hmm. but it's a good, right? And so we give up those goods in order to kind of recalibrate, right? Um, and so that's, but that's what their, their job is, is to point us for that, that ultimate good. And so then if we fail to understand our limitations and the limitations of, of material existence of created reality, then we might perceive those limitations as the world being screwed up, right? If I have this expectation that the world is supposed to be amazing and is supposed to fill all of my desires and I'm supposed to be completely satiated and happy and then the world fails to meet that expectation, well then, yeah, the question I'm going to ask is why is the world so screwed up, right? But if I'm aware that this world is finite and that I am created to be in this world for a time, and then to, to live forever in the, the, the world to come, right, in, uh, in the eternal life with God, well, then I, I'm not trying to exhaust this world of everything that it has to give me, right, yeah. and still come up short, right? Um, and that actually, like, it makes me think of The Good Place, too. So <laughs> if you saw the final episode. I'm I did not. Haven't seen it. <sighs> we can talk about it later. Okay. Um, Keep going. But that's that's the kind of the mistake that they make, right? I'll say that it's the kind okay. of mistake that they make is thinking that like that we can be completely satiated, um, and you kind of always end up in a place of despair if you mm. think that the world is going to satiate all of your goods, uh, right. right? Which it can't, or that that individual finite. experiences, right? Of of you know particular people are going to exp- going to fill all of your needs, right? Um, and so maybe that we can say that the the major reason that the world is screwed up right has a lot to do with the improper use that people make of their freedom right um the choices that we make we're given free will in order to choose the good right we're not given free will as a license to do whatever you want right that's a world that has no rules right yes if you have no rules of the game then freedom is licensed to do whatever you want right it's the purge world but our freedom true freedom is to choose the good right? Everything comes down to this good. Um, and so when we don't choose the good, yeah. what we do is we deny the good and then we empty a situation of its love and of its goodness. And that is sin, right? Until it's privated, right? Until, until it is, there's a lack. Yeah. It's deprived, mm-hmm. right? Of its good. Um, and so in order to, for there to be love, in order for there to be good, in order for there to be justice, there has to be freedom, Right. I can't force someone to be just just like I can't force someone to love me. Right. But if people can say yes to love freely, then they have to be able to use that freedom to say no. Right. Um, and the results of that no can be tragic. Right. The, this is the this is the um, the kind of tentacles of sin that mm-hmm. everyone has felt in some way in your family in your friendships in you know, every, almost every aspect of life, we've felt those tentacles of sin and their effects, right? When someone has said no to love or goodness or truth. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes down to it, we look at that question, right? Is the world screwed up or is rather my life that is screwed up, right? Mm-hmm. My lives, the lives of many great people, right? Um, and so when we look at why do so many people make bad choices when they could make good choices? Well, that's what it comes down to, right? Because they can. Because we can. Right? But it all comes down to this, right? It all comes down to the fact that God has given you a free will, right? Benedict XVI says that that God knew the risk in in giving us free will, but he was willing to risk 
uh, what you know what's at stake is sin, right? He was yeah. willing to risk sin because the value at stake was so grand and so beautiful to him. And the value is you being together with God in communion. That's right. Right. The communion that was at risk, right? You can't have communion without freedom, just like you can't have a relationship that's forced. Right. Right. And so God gave us freedom so that we could choose him, even though the risk was that we wouldn't choose him. Yeah. But he said that Benedict says that that risk was so worth it to God, right? And that he does everything, right? That's what redemption is about. Mm-hmm. That's why Christ comes in the incarnation. That's why he dies on the cross, right? That's what salvation history is all about. It's all about that communion with us. And that's consequently why he gives us a religion uh, so that, that we can reestablish that communion with him. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, it, it is enough that Christ dies on the cross, it, and it is enough that, that he establishes a code of goodness, if you will, that's based in him, but he also wants that that, um, that, that redemptive act is something that is able to be renewed in us, and, uh, and of course, um, that we were able to be, to be given like supernatural gifts so that mm-hmm. we can access the one who is good. Yeah. And that's really what communion is. It's more than just a, a sharing it's a it's a completion of that which yeah. we were made for. Exactly. Yeah. It's a reforming us. Huh? It's an unscrewing up. It's a kind of screwing in properly. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, and that and that can begin even here and now, right? So, like, it, you know, we look around and the world is not great sometimes, right? And maybe our individual world is is even worse, or yeah. it's been better and now it's worse, right? But there's always hope because. God is not the the puppet master of the world being screwed up, right. right? God gives us everything that we need so that we can choose the good, right? If the if we look around and, and the world is screwed up, well, you can make it better, right? It's not that we can heal the problems of the entire world, mm-hmm. but we can invite God into this situation, especially in places where people have abandoned him or have emptied a situation of its love right. or of its goodness, right? But we can invite God into our lives first and foremost, and then we invite God into our world, right? The yeah. people that we touch, the, the the jobs that we have, our hobbies, the all of the, the, the hemispheres of our life. Yep. If God permeates those, well, then that changes this world, right? The world of Olivia. And then it changes in some way the worlds that all of, uh, of all the people that I touch, right? right? That maybe I don't even know about. Um, and so that's why, you know, Mother Teresa says things like, you know, do small things with great love, yeah. right? Or if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. That's right. Right? These and are simple things. But, but the point is that we're not left with despair, right? right? The world may be in trouble. But it's okay, right? Because we're not alone in that in That's that right. trouble. And and we do we do find uh, presence together w- with God. We we can do that. And that's why we're not called to just kind of be all lone wolf. We're not supposed to be uh, set out adrift by ourselves. That's not what God wants for us. Yeah. And so if everything is all messed up, then we can recognize that together, and then we can bring that to the Lord as a child would say, "It's all messed up," and then He is the one who helps us to to refashion it in his image and not a distorted image you know so um so we hope that helps a little bit uh, we'll we'll put a link to the article so that you can read it and maybe kind of get some stuff happening in your head as well uh, and, and of course it's a good thing to meditate on during lent you know if everything's messed up then then why why does god exist how does god exist well these are good questions to ask and when you have 40 days to uh, to plumb the heart of god he will respond he certainly does all right, there is uh, something that we should plumb right now, and that's the part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All righty, for uh, our CU Pick of the Week. Kathleen, you ready for your Pick yep. of the Week? 
Okay, mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you tell us your pick of the week? All right, uh, being it's a teacher. Brewing. Yeah, being a teacher. One, I'm poor. Two, yep. I'm tired. Yep. <laughs> so um, I don't always have the brain energy to create um, lesson plans. Mm. And so there's, there's this website called Teachers Pay Teachers. Yes. And, um, you know, being a teacher, we collaborate with those that are on our campus. But this is a really cool way for teachers to collaborate with uh, teachers across I would imagine the world um, and to share their resources and also get a little money for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I, you know, for example, I'm teaching about Martin Luther um, and I found a really cool activity for a dollar. She was charging a dollar for it. Um, about writing your own 95 thesis. <laughs> and I, I didn't even Kathleen like, does not teach at a Lutheran school. No, I don't. Okay. Uh, right. But it was it was interesting to talk about. We're talking about injustice and mm-hmm. things, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and so, um, so r- really cool website. Um, you have to kind of look if you're a religion teacher. You got to kind of dive in there. Mm-hmm. But you can search for things. Um, I mean, it's in there. You just have to go under subjects, specialty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but you can search by grade. Um, you can search by subject um some of them are free some of them are a couple bucks and some of them you can get like a whole year's worth of of something for you know a more substantial amount but it's a pretty cool website very nice all right Uh, olivia your pick of the week yeah my pick of the week is uh since we were talking about baking um at the top of the show um and like recognizing that that's something that freaks people out mm-hmm. um my pick of the week is a, a cookbook called bread baking for beginners the essential guide to baking needed breads no need breads and enriched breads Ooh. um so i haven't actually used this book but i have seen someone do like a like a uh cook the book type of mm-hmm. thing um mm-hmm. on instagram with it and i really like it because number one it explains like the science behind bread because i think that's a lot of why people have trouble with it because they're like well it was all flat and I don't know why. Ah, Right. You know, um, so it explains the science behind bread, um, Mm. but also like techniques, um, stepping scones is what they call it. So like, (laughs) um, so like progress from starting out just like the absolute easiest bread you can make all the way into like some harder things like making your own like poolish or like Mm. some kinds of, um, bread starters. Um, and using those to bake bread. So, um, so I've I've seen some really cool things coming out of this cookbook. Um, so that's my my pick of the week, especially if you're if you've ever said I want to make bread, but it seems really hard. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, eleven ninety nine on uh, Bookseller. And it's uh, available Easy for enough. free on Kindle Unlimited if you subscribe oh, to that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Wow. Jeff, uh, your pick of the week up there in space. Well, I really like that bread thing, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just uh, I don't know. I'm like you. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> well, aren't too. we all? Yeah. Good carbs is good. Um, so let's talk good health here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, oil of oregano. Okay. I presume it's oregano oil. I presume it is too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it comes in liquid form, which you can uh, place under your tongue like two or three drops. Mm. And, and there are so many good benefits. And I'll have this in the show notes. Um, but uh, I like it in capsule form, mm-hmm. and I take one in the morning, one in the evening, and uh, it's it's a natural antibiotic, uh, antioxidant. Mm. It can lower cholesterol, help you mm. lose weight, anti-inflammatory, and it's good or good for the gut. Oh. So um, uh, it, it really has. It's one of the things my doctor had recommended to me because I, I, I the older I get, it, I'm having these issues with allergies, and I'm mm. just. Uh, 
in that part of the world where um, they just never let up. So, um, mm-hmm. in fact, it's, it's February and it feels like springtime here with the flowers blooming and everything. And <laughs> Again, yeah. Again, right, That's for right. about the third time since January. But anyway. Cool. Uh, so, there it is, oil yeah. of oregano. And uh, what's nice about it, you pop one and you wait a couple of minutes, uh-huh. uh, I'll say 20 minutes or, or so, and you start to taste oregano. Oh. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, my preferred method of uh, oregano is pizza. There I, you I, go. That's how I like to receive oregano. My, my pick of the week, uh, thanks, Jeff, by the way. <laughs> my pick of the week uh, is No Greater Love, Dr. Edward Sree's Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. Uh, it's a book. It's also a video series from Ascension. And uh, there's a study book as well that you can uh, purchase if you want to have a study group on the book. And it goes through, um, of course, through the Passion itself. But it, it, it takes some of the questions... What was Jesus going through at each moment? How did the Old Testament foretell Christ's death? Which is really fascinating that all this stuff is foretold and fulfilled in Christ. Why did Christ die? What did it accomplish? So some of the stuff we talked about in the last segment is certainly taken up with uh, the notion of getting to know who Jesus is. What was the symbolism behind Jesus' sweat becoming like drops of blood? What was the symbolism of the veil being torn in the temple? Mm. What are all these other mysterious events that are happening that are kind of buried in the scriptures there? And sometimes we gloss over. And then what do the last words of Jesus mean? So if you're interested in that, no greater love, uh, really fantastic book thus far. I haven't finished it, but I better finish it soon because Lynn's a coming and I'm going to be leading a Bible study in my parishes with it. So, uh, so that's my pick of the week. And I hope it's something that is helpful for you as we prepare to dive into the Lenten season. Jeff, we are always grateful for our viewers, for our listeners, and for our benefactors, especially those who pray for us, aren't we, Jeff? Absolutely, with our hands over our heart. Thank mm-hmm. you. This week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com donate. Also, an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice and leave a review. Yeah, be sure to click the stars. That's right. Uh, please do that uh, because then that helps other people to know what you yeah. like about our program. You know, that's, that's a good thing. Our panelists this week, we got Kathleen Lee. She's the benefactress. <laughs> Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. You're at Lee 626 on Instagram. That's it. All right. Uh, also, uh, Olivia Galino, she's at the.real.omg on Instagram. So if you want to see some of the things that she bakes... That's the place to do it. Uh, yeah, thanks, Olivia. Also, our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's up uh, on the satellite. He's at Jeff Blackwellis on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Jeff. Always a privilege, Father. Our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes out in California. And you know me. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. Follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic and a couple of other places too. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice for the Catholic Underground for Faith Gone Digital. And we will see you next time.